welcome to another episode of Learning with Leslie, the podcast where you learn, I learn, we all learn about how to build an online business with a blog. No, I'm not talking about one of those blogs that will fall by the wayside when Google has a mood swing. <laughs> I'm talking about one that will thrive no matter what gets thrown at it. I'm your host, Leslie Samuel from becomeablogger.com, where we're changing the world one blog at a time. And as usual, I have another exciting episode for you today. In today's episode, episode 285, I'm on the line with none other than Michael Stelzner, the founder of Social Media Examiner, author of the books Launch and Writing White Papers, host of the Social social media marketing podcast and the founder of social media marketing world Uh, mike has become a good friend and mentor who has a very deep knowledge about what it takes to do well with social media we're going to be talking about a very big topic today it's all about social media algorithms and how to respond to declining organic reach i don't know about you but if you've noticed so when it comes to social media, the times, they are changing. And I, ha- I felt like I needed to have this conversation with Mike to see what you and I as bloggers can do to set ourselves up for success. So social media algorithms, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Mike, my man, how you doing? I'm doing excellent. How are you? I cannot complain one bit. I am excited to be talking to you. About, man, this, this is a, a big topic we're addressing today, man. It is, man. I've been screaming, the algorithms are coming, the algorithms are coming. <laughs> they are a coming and they're here and things are changing and we're going to dive into that. Now, normally when I do these interviews, we kind of go into the entire backstory of who you are and what you've done and how you got to where you are. But you've been on the show before. If, if anyone is curious, they can go to becomeablogger.com slash episode 116, 116, and you can hear Mike's story And it's a very fascinating story. But today, we're just going to dive into the topic. Now, Mike, you've been around this whole social media scene for a while. So I want to kind of go back in time. How How did blogging change with the invention of social media? Can you tell us a little bit about what you've noticed in terms of what the changes were? Yeah, well, I started my blog in 2005, my first blog, actually. Uh, it was called Writing White Papers. And uh, as the social media, as social media grew and became popular around 2008 and 2009, there was definitely, there was definitely a lot of stuff that, uh, that changed. The, some, some for good and some not for good, but in particular, there was a lot of good. For example, I think a lot of people that ultimately became bloggers started expressing themselves on social. Right. For example, they would write tweets, 140 characters, or they would write updates on Facebook. And it would be uh, beginning, if you will, dipping your toe into the water of what it's like to write and have an audience and a reaction to an audience. So I think social kind of uh, got people onto the on ramp of becoming bloggers. But I think the biggest thing that social did for blogging was that it was a traffic accelerator. Um, the. In the olden days, you just kind of had to hope and pray that Google was going to pick up your articles, right? Mm-hmm. And once social media came out and once the social share capability, social sharing capabilities came out, and you probably remember this, it was all about hoping that Dig Dig or Dig, <laughs> I'm sorry, Dig would pick up your article or one of these other sites would pick up your articles, these bookmarking sites, and boom, you could be made. And then eventually, of course, you, you would hope that Twitter, something would go viral on Twitter or Facebook. So social media really did bring enormous amounts of traffic's, traffic. Actually, in some regards, it was like a flood of traffic. Mm-hmm. And um, in that regards, 
it helped you when Google had a mood swing, right? To use your, your phraseology, exactly. it was the answer to the, I can't get ranked in search. And I think it was a great thing in the beginning. So I, I'm curious because w when you started talking about when it came onto the scene, you said there were some good things and some not so good things. What, in your opinion, what were some of the not so good effects of social media uh, when it comes to bloggers and content creators? Well, I think we're starting to see, I think I, now if we move forward the clock a little bit, uh -huh. Leslie, some of the more recent problems in the last two or three years, um, one of them is the declining amount of comments that happen on the blog post itself. Uh -huh. And you know that there's been a lot of high profile blogs that have removed comments from their blog. Some ended up putting them back. Like for example, uh, Brian Clark at copy blogger removed it and then put it back. But the, uh, the shift of the conversation moved from the blog to social media. And that I think is a bit of a negative because now all of a sudden as a blogger, you have to manage these conversations in many different locations. I mean, did you notice that coming on the scene as well? Oh, definitely. Uh, the, the the number of comments that I get today in comparison to when I first started, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's a big change because people want to interact with your content where they are to a certain extent. So you get more of that conversation happening in other places. And the other, the other thing that's kind of strange about that is you would see, for example, you could you'd tweet something or put it on Facebook or LinkedIn, and then all of a sudden people would be commenting on the social network about supposedly the article. Yeah. And w the problem is that I think a lot of people were really just commenting on the headline. And I don't think, because it doesn't make a lot of logical sense and it never has, why would I read the article and then come back and leave my comment on social? Yeah. But, uh, you know, some sometimes I've done that intentionally because there's already a conversation there. But um, so there's that fragmenting of where does the quote unquote community live? Do they live on your blog? Do they live on the social channels? That created a lot of confusion for a lot of bloggers. Um, that's one of the big ones. And then another one is frankly just it's harder to get traffic. In the early days, social media brought all this traffic. Now social media wants all the content and doesn't bring the traffic. So this is the other problem, right? And we're seeing a move towards people publishing their content off their blog. So now people are publishing exclusively on LinkedIn or exclusively on a Facebook note or as a Facebook instant article or as a Google AMP, which is technically housed on Google. So there's this like, you know, um, shift, if you will, going on where it used to be like everything was in one place and it all pointed to that place, hub and spoke model. Now it's more like there's copies that live everywhere, medium, LinkedIn, all over the place. And it does really <clears throat> create confusion for those of us that are bloggers. So when it comes to that kind of fragmentation of the discussion um, and when it comes to people publishing on multiple sources now, whether it's on Facebook or on, on uh, LinkedIn or whatever the case might be, how, how have you guys uh, what have you guys decided in terms of how you're going to deal with those types of changes? How, how, have so, how has Social Media Examiner adapted to that specifically? Well, first, I can tell you that we have seen monster declines in the traffic from social media. So, you know, and we track everything. And mm -hmm. if you don't track folks, go into your Google Analytics and just look at your social traffic and compare it to a year ago and see if it's gone down. I bet you it's gone down maybe 30 or even 50%. So we've seen those big declines, um, but we're st at Social Media Examiner, we're still getting close to 2 million page views a month and about a million people coming to the site. So we have what I'll call, we flatlined, okay? I would rather flatline than 
you know, uh, then, then shrink. Yeah. So the good news is we, we have flatlined, but we're holding tight. Leslie, we're not publishing our content anywhere else. We want people to know that if you want our content, you have to come get it. That's our current philosophy. It works really well for us. We use all sorts of techniques to make sure people know how to get to our content. So for example, we have 525,000 people on our email list that get notified every time. Well, three days a week when we have our new blog post. So, um, because we create quality content, um, we want it to, to live on our site because our business objective is to drive people to our site so that they can see whatever it is we're selling like social media marketing world. And that is how we sell tickets to our conference or, or how anyone, you know, if, if we were selling consulting, which we don't, that's how we would sell that. So, um, but on the flip side, what we don't do is we don't take our articles and we don't put them on LinkedIn and we don't put them on Facebook and we don't put them on medium. And some might argue, well, you are limiting your audience. Mm. And I would argue I'm fine with that. I'm willing to limit my audience because I am not in the business of making money by display advertising. Right? So when you go to social media examiner, you will not see any advertisements for anything other than our own stuff. But when you're in the business of display advertising, as 99% of publications are, big publications are, then you want your stuff everywhere because you're still going to make money, right? Because you're going to have some sort of ad alongside it. But when you're in the business of not making money through display advertising, I, I don't know if that makes sense. But there is one other angle. If you are in the business of, of trying to be a thought leader, like Leslie Samuel, trying to be the thought leader as the blogger, it might make sense to go where the blogging community is. And if they're on LinkedIn, then publish there because you're going to make your money by being everywhere. And hopefully people will hire you. But if you're in the business like we are of selling a product, it may not, it may not necessarily make sense for you. So, you know, when I think about myself, for example, I'm in the business of, you know, of course, establishing my, my, myself as a thought leader, but I also have my products that I sell and services that I provide. And many of the people that are listening to this podcast right now are probably in the same type of a situation. They're trying to establish themselves as thought leaders, and also they have products and services that they provide. Do you recommend for them to go this direction of of publishing on these platforms or more trying to get people to come back to their own platform? Well, let me give you an analogy. Let's say that there's a really big website in your industry and you're a writer and that big website is called Copyblogger. And you know that if you could write for them, that they would they, that that article would get in front of your ideal prospects mm -hmm. and you would get some writing clients. That's exactly what I used to do. Okay. It made total sense. Yeah. So if you're also a writer and you know, your audience is on LinkedIn, then why wouldn't you publish there? Yeah. Um, it makes sense to publish on the larger platforms if your goal is to just get in front of the right audience. Mm. Does that make sense? Yep. Perfect sense. Um, so that's why a lot of really smart people are publishing everywhere that they can because it makes sense for their brand to be everywhere. I don't know if that answers your question. No, that, that definitely does answer my question. So I, I want to get to the algorithms, but before we talk about, you know, what to do with all these changes and so on, let's even step back and talk about why these algorithms exist in the first place. So why are social media sites using algorithms now more than before? 
this is going to freak you out a little bit, but I just read yesterday that Facebook will run out of advertising inventory by the middle of 2017. That is insane. So what is that? Let's break down. What does that tell me? What does that mean to you, Leslie? So what that means to me is that there's so much competition for those advertising spots. And that's not even just, you know, organic that we're not talking about organic. We're talking about the people that are advertising on Facebook. There's so much competition that they are running out of basically running out of space. There's a high demand and not enough supply. Right? Exactly. So this is economics 101. There is a supply and demand problem. And when you think about Twitter or LinkedIn or Facebook, they all have algorithms, okay? When, whether they publicize them or not, they all have them. Instagram, they all have them. Pinterest, they all have them. When you think about um, the user experience for the social network, if, if they just let everyone advertise, then the users would leave because they wouldn't have a good experience, right? Mm -hmm. So there's this fine balance between making sure that people on Facebook find what they want, which Facebook has declared as friends and family, keeping in touch with friends and family and um, topical things that they're personally interested in. Um, they have to deliver that value to the audience. If that value is not delivered to the people on Facebook, they will go find it elsewhere. So um, there's that fine balance between the number of, of pieces of content that they will deliver up to someone and the, um, if you will, limit to which a consumer is willing to accept ads. So the problem here is that what's getting pushed out of the newsfeed is the posts, the organic posts that pages are posting because that is basically being given away to the advertisers, right? Because there's limited amount of, amount of, of real estate. So I tell people that like uh, Facebook advertising is like a Disneyland fast pass. Do you know what a fast pass is? Yep. So for those that don't know what I'm talking about, it allows you to get to the front of the line and you don't have to wait in line. So the, uh, so it, what it really comes down to is all the algorithms have so many consumers that are so critical of the experience that they have to start only showing things that are highly relevant to them and that, and that interest them. And, and the fact is that all of us that have Facebook pages are publishing too much stuff, you know, or, or our stuff is competing with all the stuff that's even better than our stuff. So the end result is our stuff is just not being seen. So when you post on your Facebook page, you're lucky if 5% of your audience will see it. And then what percent will click on it is even probably lower. So that's why you're seeing declines. The only way to get around that is to pay an increasing cost because like what you said earlier, if there's competition and Leslie's willing to pay more than Mike is, his ad's gonna show up above mine. So that price sensitivity is going to push higher and we're getting to a point where as bloggers, um, there's got to be another way. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to what you're saying, and this is something that I've been thinking about a whole lot. And I know that people are wondering, OK, so if there's all this competition, if I'm posting on Facebook, Facebook isn't letting the people that like my page actually see it. Does it even make sense to use a platform like Facebook to post, you know, regular updates? And I'm not talking Absolutely. about advertising. So yes, can you talk does. about that? Yes, it does. It comes down to social signals. So you have to understand how search works, okay? So search, which, you know, we're actually circling back to the way things used to be, Leslie. Search is becoming more important now. Mm -hmm. And because it is 
you know, on Facebook, they're not looking for Leslie Samuel's article on how to do something on blogging. They're seeing it randomly coming up in their feed. Mm -hmm. But in search, they're searching for that. So, so search, part of what search does is it looks at social signals. Social signals are activities that take place on social that are around that content. If that content has a high social signal strength, lots of people are sharing it, lots of people are commenting on it, Google picks that up, and that's going to help you rank in search. Gotcha. So you're saying, I, mean, I just want to make sure I'm sure about what you're talking about, because when you're talking about search, and are you talking about people that are searching on Facebook, like using the search bar at the top? No, I'm talking about Google. You're talking about Google. So you're saying... And Bing. And Yahoo. How does that relate to my posts on my Facebook fan page? Okay, let me lay it out as simply as I can. Yeah. Let's say you have a thousand fans, and let's say five percent of them see your post. That's fifty, right? Yep. And let's say twenty-five of them interact with that post. Those are twenty-five social signals that get tied to that article that Google can see. Does that make sense? Perfect sense. Yes. So you want those social signals, and you also want. It, so that when anybody comes to your article, they have an effortless way of sharing that article because all those signals are part of what are, are um, indicators that the search engines look at when deciding whether or not to show your content. And, and I think that's a very— It's not the only thing, but it's, it's an important thing. That's why you can't just fully abandon it. Yeah, and, and the, the, when I look at my Google Analytics, just as an example, the, ones, the posts that uh, 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 Google is sending me the most traffic on, I can literally correlate that with the ones that have the most social signals. So, for example, I did a Snapchat tutorial that got, a, that got shared by a lot of people, and as a result, when you search for Snapchat tutorials— Mine is one of the, 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 the top ones that show up in the search engines. So I, I think that's such a, a very important point that we need to pay attention to. Now, how do th these algorithm changes, do they affect larger and smaller bloggers and publications differently? Or does it basically affect everyone equally across the board? I think it affects, I think it affects everyone but um, I also think that we as bloggers, no matter how big or small we are, need to rethink a lot. And if you're willing, I'd like to just share some thoughts on yeah, this. Yeah, let's, let's go into that. Because um, first of all, anyone who's been blogging for a while, and let me give you a little story. Back in the day, I used to work at Sears, okay? Mm -hmm. And I used to work in the electronics department. And I was one of the younger sales guys in the electronics department selling TVs and stereos and all that stuff. And there were these older guys that were there griping about the way it used to be. They're man, they're, they're, they'd say like, you know, we used to get 10% commission on that TV. Now it's just 1%. I'm not even selling that thing anymore. Okay. Why am I telling you that story? Because there are bloggers that have been around for a while that remember the days when the traffic was really great. Mm. And, and now they're frustrated because it's not what it used to be. But there are new bloggers coming on that are saying, what are you talking about? I'm totally fine with this number. So I think we need to rethink the numbers. And I think we need to be okay if we used to get 10,000 visitors a month to our website and now we're only getting two or 3,000. I think we need to be okay with that because the real question is, what is the metric that you care about? I think the metric that you care about is not the number of people that are coming to your website or the number of page views or sessions. It's probably something like the number of email subscribers you're growing every month or 
the number of paid customers that you get. So I think we need to be okay with smaller communities and not be so worried, those of us that have been around for a while, that everything seems to be shrinking. Because with minor tweaks, Leslie, you could potentially increase your email opt-in rate on your website from, let's say, 1% to 1.5% or 2%. Um, that could be the difference between getting um, 100 or 200 a month. You know, It can be just dramatic differences with tiny little tweaks. So where I'm going with this is, first of all, we need to accept that less is actually not a bad thing because they're probably more qualified anyways now, right? Because now when they're coming, it means they're probably more qualified because they went to the effort to either find it or they went to the or they actually saw it because the signal said that this is a person that should find this of interest, right? There's artificial intelligence stuff going on trying to serve up stuff that's really relevant to people. So in some regards, the smaller numbers might be more qualified traffic. So uh, the second thing is search engine optimization is now critical. So where we used to ignore search engine optimization, now it's time to revisit it because search is a way that if we can get just even a minor improvement in our rankings in search, Leslie, that could be huge okay, for us, wait, right? I, I want to stop you really quick, and I should have yeah. done this a few seconds ago because I want to get back to this. But you mentioned some things that I don't want us to overlook. You said with some minor tweaks – you can increase your email opt-ins significantly. Let's talk a little bit about what some of those minor tweaks are before we even go into SEO. So can you share some of those tips? Well, I'll tell you this much. I did some of these tweaks, and um, I went from about 10,000 email subscribers a month to 25,000 email subscribers a month. And I increased our opt-in rate from like 1% to 2 point something percent. Tiny little increases, but when we're talking about numbers as big as we are, monstrously big changes. Yeah. So some of the tweaks are things like um, pop-up boxes that show up as people are leaving your site. You've seen these before, right? Yep, exit you, you probably have seen intent, them on, right? Yeah, exit intent pop-ups. So this is perhaps the best thing a blogger could ever do, which is as someone has already decided they got what they want and they're leaving, you pop something up that offers something of value to them. Mm. This is magic stuff that a lot of people don't even do. They've seen the pop-ups when you first arrive, but they, they never even think about grabbing them on the way out. We do both. So it's totally okay to do both. Most people don't even realize that. And then the other thing is like slide-ins that appear as someone gets down to the end of your article. Um, when they're about to you know, they're, they're about done. You can have a slide in that says, Hey, don't miss our future articles. Just these little actions that you can put in. We use them all over the place on social media examiner. That's part of the reason why we, you know, we capture that because we know that if we can grow our email list, we can grow our business because we track everything. And we know that it's our email subscribers that ultimately are the ones that become our best customers. And I, I, I think this is such a big deal, and I know that you, you, you really specialize in this kind of stuff. So I want to ask you one more question. Can you give some tips for what to include in those pop-up boxes or those, those calls to action that you're giving to people? Yes. You want to test a lot. As a matter of fact, um, in the next week or so, I'm, I've got a guy named Chris Daly who's coming on my podcast and we're doing something called a, a show on conversion rate optimization. Mm. And we're going to talk exclusively on how to do split tests and all the things that you can test. Um, so if you search for the social media marketing podcast, you want to listen to that. But a couple things you can test are try changing your headline. 
if you have a long headline, try try split testing a short headline. See which one converts better. Um, try changing the button color. I mean, this is crazy, but I split <laughs> test like all these colors, and just changing the button color radically increased the likelihood that I got certain kinds of conversions. These are the kind of things I'm talking about. Um, another thing you could do is try to, um, and by the way, don't assume that what works in one place will work in another place. So for example, in my case, we have forms all over the place. So we found that there's kind of a cycle, if you will, to the way a person comes into our website. When they first arrive, uh, we show them something. As they scroll to the bottom, we show them something else. And as we're leaving, we show them yet something else. And each one looks actually very different than the, than the next mm. so that they don't dismiss it. Because then if they, if they say, oh, that's just the same darn thing I saw, they'll ignore it, right? But we make them look visually different. So these are just some of the things you can experiment with. I love it. Okay. So we're talking about how to set yourself up for success despite the algorithm changes. And the first one, rethink the numbers, really focus on the metrics that you care about. Try to get people to subscribe to your email list. And you provided some really good tips on how to increase your success with that. Then you mentioned that search engine optimization is even more crucial than it was before. So let's talk a little bit about that. I am not a search engine optimization expert, but they're worth every penny if you go out and hire one or or just read the, you know, the the Moz and the search engine journal websites and keep up with the changes like literally the day that we're recording this, I think they just came out with some sort of what they're calling a penguin update or something like that. So um, you want to keep an eye on your search traffic in your Google Analytics and see if it's going up or down. Um, there are, especially for blogs that have been around for a long time, there's lots of stuff that can hurt your blog. So for example, if you, you have a lot of not found uh, errors and you can log into Google Webmaster Tools to see all these not found errors, you want to try to clean all that up because Google wants to deliver websites that are clean to people. And if there's just tons of errors coming on your website, then that actually will, will hurt you. So these are just some of the things that I've learned. We've recently hired a search engine optimization expert. We haven't seen any yet results because it's still kind of in progress. Yep. But we know that Google is a monstrously big part of our traffic. So even just a subtle little percent or two increase in Google search traffic could be huge. Um, so that's the kind of stuff we've done. We've also experimented with, uh, the race, the ambulance chase race, if you will, when something new comes out, we try to publish rapidly an article on it. And we've tried to see whether or not that actually positively or negatively impacts the search engine algorithm rankings and stuff. And in some cases it helped us. And in some cases it didn't. So this is just, you know, the thing about search and the thing about even social is that there's there's computers that are geniuses, you know, they call them artificial intelligence and they're just constantly evolving. Every time you try to game it, the, the, you know, they'll push you back. So you just kind of have to, you just kind of have to read up on what the experts are saying. It, but search engine optimization is critical. If you com if you're okay with the smaller numbers and you can get your, um, your email opt-ins higher and you can increase your search. You can see how all these little things can add up and really move the needle in a pretty significant way. And the last thing I want to say back to email, Leslie, is don't underestimate the value of emailing your list when you have a new blog post out. And a lot of people don't do that. They just, you know, they forget or they, they don't have it set up to somehow automate the process. But email is a really powerful way to um, get some social signals going right away because your email list is probably your loyal fans. And what we do 
at Social Media Examiner is we post our posts first on social to get some some mechanisms rolling, you know, to get some social sharing started, typically at like three or four in the morning Pacific time. Then around 10 o'clock is when we let the email out. And then that sends like a second wave, if you will, of traffic and of social signals. And Google knows all this stuff because let's not forget Google Analytics owned <laughs> by Google. They yep. know everything, right? Yep. They, they know where the traffic's coming from. They know everything. So, you know, um, using your email to drive traffic to your site is a smart thing for your uh, your readers because they want that anyways. But it's also start a smart for helping to uh, rank and search. So it, it sounds a lot like what you're saying is, hey, yes, social media, the organic reach is declining. But what you need to focus on is strengthening your home base so that when people are coming there, they're getting, of course, they're getting value. But also you're getting them to take the actions that you want them to take, signing up to your email list and hopefully ultimately purchasing your products or services or whatever it is you offer. So that's we're talking about what to do on your blog to strengthen your blog, to take full advantage of whatever you're getting from social media. Now, my next question is this. What is still working when it comes to social media? So, uh, yes, I, I'm, I'm strengthening my blog, but I still want to be using social media to uh, increase engagement, to get people to visit and so on. What is working in 2016 uh, when it comes to social media? It's a good question. Um, let's not forget about community and let's not forget about um, community. Social media social media marketers kind of first began as community managers. That's what we used to call them back in the day. So community managers job was to engage with the community that meant engaging in comments that meant engaging on the social channels that meant doing things like Twitter chats that meant, you know, doing whatever, whatever it meant to kind of make the community feel like this is their home where they ought to hang out. So I think that this is a little bit of going back to the roots of social, which is to interact and do fun things with the community so that they will become more uh, aligned with you so that they will build a relationship with you because when you develop a community no matter how small they will begin to um, you will begin to serve them they will get great value and they will have your back said another way they'll be the ones that will go out of their way to check the website to see if there's been a new post or to in or to check your Facebook page instead of waiting for it to show up in the newsfeed. They're the ones on Facebook that will set your newsfeed to show me first. So for example, uh, on any Facebook page, you can actually uh, have it show up first in the newsfeed. And you might even want to consider creating a video for your community that says, if you love our content and you want to not miss it on Facebook, here's how you do it. You create a little video showing them on your page how to check the box or whatever that says, show me first. And then every day when they log into Facebook, they will see at the very top of their feed, just those posts, those new posts from social media examiner or whatever. So here at social media examiner, our company is going back to community and we've been doing it for some time. We have a live show every Friday where we have a small part of our community that loves what we produce every week on that live show. Um, and we're going to be doing a lot more stuff in the future just to really nurture that community because we know it doesn't take a lot of people to be customers of ours for us to be very successful. And we know that the more people begin to interact with us and know us and like us, the more the business is going to grow. It's kind of the akin of going to a conference and knowing everybody versus going to a conference and knowing nobody 
Mm. Right, Leslie? Yep. So when you go somewhere and you know people, you feel like you're with your peeps and there's something special about that. And then you let all your friends know, hey, come on over here. This is the place. That's what you want. And that requires a thinking about community development. It, it almost sounds as if what, what you're saying is, you know, in the past there was, especially when the algorithms weren't as intense as they are today, it was easier to kind of automate what's happening on social media and you can still automate but it sounds as if you're saying you kind of just got to get in there and actually connect with people like use social media for what it is intended to be used for if you're a small business you got to do this because the automation tools are ultimately i think a way of outsourcing the most important part of your business, which is making connections with people that might become customers. Would you send a, uh, would you send a, a robot into a networking event <laughs> to say, hello, my name is Leslie Samuel. Nice to meet you. Please grab my business card from the pocket below. <laughs> it, it would make an impression, but probably not the impression that I'm looking for. <laughs> That's what you do when you're dealing with automation, right? Instead, you'd put on your best whatever, and you'd smile and you would give people your full attention and you would interact with them. And that's how stuff gets taken to the next level. So bloggers that are listening right now, interact with people that leave comments on your site because they are the people that are most interested or they're spammers. And if they're spammers, get rid of them. But if they're not, then interact with them. Uh, go out there and actively thank people that share your stuff on social media. Say, thank you so much. What did you love about the article? I mean, this is very basic stuff that we've forgotten about because we've fallen into the, you know, like the, um, where it's like we're in the chair and the little thing is spinning and we're being hypnotized. We've been <laughs> hypnotized by automation and we've forgotten that automation is not what grows our business. It's us. I absolutely love that. Now, you, you mentioned something, uh, you mentioned just kind of in passing, you could maybe create a video to show people how to see you first and all that good stuff on Facebook, for an ex uh, just as an example. But it seems as if when it comes to like a platform like Facebook, the one thing that is not as affected as, as many of the other types of posts on Facebook would be things like video and live video and so on. Can you talk about what you see happening when it comes to live video on these social platforms and maybe even how we can take advantage of that? If you think about, if you think about live video and you think about Instagram uh, stories and you think about Snapchat, these all kind of fall into the category of what I'll call informal updates to the community. Mm. Um, you know, Snapchat and, and Instagram stories are 10 second little snippets of a day in the life of whatever, right? Um, like I did one today about, hey, this is the building where we work at at Social Media Examiner. Welcome to the Social Media Examiner lobby. Just kind of showing them, you know, hey, I'm the first one here this morning. Um, these kind of things are like giving them, giving your fans a peek into the world that you live in, which a lot of people... Um, will appreciate if you have fans and followers. It's something you would never think they would, but they love that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. That's easy to do, and that doesn't re not require really very much interaction. To take that to the next level would be to do it live, right? To go on Periscope or Facebook Live and say, hey, everybody, I am outside the headquarters of Social Media Examiner. Would you like a tour? <laughs> you know, we're walking in. Let me know what you want me to show you, you know, and you just interact with them live, and it doesn't require any effort at all. If you want to take it to the next level or you want to do this in an easy way, you could go live and say, hey, hey, everybody, this is Leslie, and I just published a killer blog post today about Facebook instant articles. 
And uh, I'm going to tell you one quick tip from it. And, and then I'm going to show you where you can go to read the article. Um, and then I'm going to answer a few questions that you might have. And then boom, all of a sudden you have promoted your article. You've interacted with the community and provide them value and you've answered a few questions. People will love that kind of stuff. Have you ever thought about doing that, Leslie? I actually have. And it's something that I've said to myself that I want to do at some point and I want to do it consistently, especially since live video is doing so well on Facebook. So it's something that I, I plan on doing at some point in the future. So thanks for sharing that. And if you're listening to, to, to this and you think to yourself, hey, this is something that I could do, do it and then come back and let us know how it went for you. And, you know, how, if, if you plan on doing that even more in the future. Mike, lots of great content here. I want to ask you a question that's kind of basic, but it I think it's going to be helpful for someone that's coming here, listening to this podcast, and maybe they're really new to all of this. What would you say to the person that is new to all of this? They are trying to get started today, and they want to build their blog. They want to use social media and, 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 and build their brand as an expert, but also build a business where maybe they have products to sell and all that kind of stuff. What general advice would you give to that beginner? Is this person a blogger? This, or person, do they want to be a this person wants to be a blogger. Okay. First and foremost, I would say work on, work on your craft of communicating value in whatever form works best for you. So there are some people that are excellent at speaking. And if that's the case, record yourself. If you're really good on camera, record yourself on camera. And if you're a really good writer, start writing. And then what you do with those recordings, if you're not a great writer, but you're a good talker, is you send them out to somebody to get them transcribed. And you can take those recordings and you can have them put into a blog post. Because there are some people like Chris Brogan, I just recently listened to his podcast and it was a rant from his car. Now, if Chris wanted to, he could have easily had that transcribed and made it into a nice blog post. And so the idea is to get your idea out there or get your message out there in whatever medium works best for you and then get it converted, if you will, into something that works for you. What you can do with that audio is that could be the foundation for a podcast in addition to a blog post. What you do with that video is that video could be uploaded onto YouTube and Facebook. You could take a segment of it and put it up on Twitter and Instagram. You can do all sorts of stuff with it. And if you feel real ballsy, you can try it live next time. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you've got a live video that you could download and still translate into an article. What's your reaction to that? I actually love it. I mean, it's the whole I, I love the, the, the repurposing content aspect of that because uh, you can take one piece of content and use it in so many different ways to really maximize the effort that you put into creating that piece of content in the first place. So I, I think it's a great idea. Another thing is if you are if you you know you have good ideas but you you get stymied by the writing process, well not why not hire a ghostwriter? And they're all over the place. A ghostwriter is really just someone who writes in your voice for you and they can interview you or they can take a recording of you in your car with a random thought and make it into a nice article that they can give back to you and that you can publish. Because I think that the, the barrier for almost everybody uh, when it comes to starting a blog is the creation of the content. Mm. And no matter how good of a writer you are, and Leslie and I love to write mm. and I you know, used to write proficiently, less now, it's still, I would take four or five hours to write a blog post. And 
that's tough when you're trying to grow a business, you know, so you got to figure out an easier way. And what I tell a lot of people is you got to ask yourself, what's the value of my time? If you value your time at 50 bucks an hour and it takes you five hours to write a blog post, that's 250 bucks. If you can find someone for a hundred or $200 that would do it and save you, or let's say it's a hundred bucks and they save you four hours. Well, then it's totally worth it, right? You're actually getting a return on your investment because it's costing you less to actually produce it. So that's where I would start. I would pick one social channel in the beginning that, that, uh, seems to be where my audience most is. So you have to kind of watch your, your peers and figure out where are they most active on the social channels? Is it Instagram? Is it Pinterest? Is it Snapchat? Is it Twitter? Is it LinkedIn, Facebook, figure it out, start there, get it. So it really works for your business and then slowly expand over time into the other social networks. So, so uh, if we had this conversation about a year ago and you sp said what you said just now about, you know, maybe getting a ghostwriter to write some of your content for you in your voice, I would have said that is such a great idea, but absolutely not for me <laughs> because I love writing. But recently, and maybe the listeners don't necessarily know this, but if you don't, now you do. Recently, I started when I when I when this podcast is done, I'm actually going to have someone write the article about this podcast. And it's something that I'm not doing. And that frees me up so much to be able to do some of the other things that I absolutely need to do in my business. And it provides a ton of value. So I think it's definitely a great idea. Uh, Mike, I cannot, I can absolutely cannot let you get off this recording without talking to me a little bit about social media marketing world, because this is an event that I've been going to for the last few years. And uh, quite frankly, it is the event that I look forward to the most when it comes to learning about social media and what's working now and 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 get connecting with people, networking with others. I want you to tell me a little bit about social media marketing world. It is, it is everything that I wished every other event I've ever been to in my <laughs> life would have been. And I've been to plenty of stinky events. <laughs> so that's what, that's what inspired me to build this one. Um, one of the cool things about social media marketing world 2017 that's brand new is we have this creator series. We have 40 sessions dedicated to content creators and we've got 10 on blogging. We've got 10 on podcasting, we've got 10 on video, and we have 10 on live video. And what's amazing about this is, for example, anybody who is a blogger probably also needs to understand video and maybe wants to consider podcasting. And all these talented people, you've got people that are doing live shows and you've got people that are doing YouTube channels and you've got people that are blogging and podcasting. We all kind of are the same in many regards, right? We're all trying to figure out how to use this production of content to grow a business. So it's a, it's about a third of all the content that's going to be at social media marketing world next year. On top of all of that, every blogger wants to understand social, mm. right? And figure out how to use social media to build a following or to drive traffic to the website or to get more leads. And that's really the main focus of social media marketing world, um, which is basically how do you master Instagram? Maybe you're really good at Facebook, but you have not yet tackled Snapchat or you have not yet figured out how to use Instagram stories to really build something amazing with your community. That's what the whole conference is about. But the, but our, our tagline is networking, discovery, and fun. We put networking first, Leslie, because 
this is not like any other conference. Whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, you, you're going to have an amazing time. We actually even have a workshop called Networking for Introverts. <laughs> and what we do is we have our opening night party on an aircraft carrier, which is kind of crazy. You were on that, right? Oh, yeah. So you, what would, tell everybody your experience when you first walked on the aircraft carrier. Oh, man, it was great. So you walk on the aircraft carrier. First, you're outside with a bunch of people, and you're just kind of talking, having a good time. And then you walk on, and there's a, there was a live band kind of in front. There's, there's people there waiting to welcome you. They're, you know what actually blows me away more than anything else when it comes to this event and, and what you guys do? You actually have people that you call networking ambassadors whose sole job is to connect you with the people that you want to connect with. And, and they were there on this aircraft carrier and, and, and very much willing to help and connect you with the people that you Do you remember the bingo with. card? And, and the bingo card. So we got this bingo card and you have to actually walk around and find people that fit into these different categories on this bingo card. So you're like it's find some, someone from that. Yeah. Find someone who's from outside the United States or someone who's in the education space exactly. or somebody or, or find somebody who, um, you know, whatever you can imagine is a podcaster. So all of a sudden, everybody is going around meeting strangers like in a rapid fashion and just immediately you connect with people literally the night before the event even starts. Yep. And people, and then they, you know, if you fill out the whole card, you get a chance to win a free ticket for next year and people go crazy over this, but that's just kind of how we roll. That's just like one tiny little sample of what we do at social media marketing. Well, we make it and the aircraft carrier is so huge. There's only one little section where there's a band. There's plenty of space to be able to talk and not have to scream, you know, like you would if you were in a bar. So we, we, we also recruit 100% of all of our speakers. There is no application. We only recruit the best. So you're not going to go into a session and say, oh, that was ridiculously horrible because we don't let people, just anybody come to our event. So we, tr quality is really what it's all about. Yep. So guys, if you're listening to this, if you know me, you like me, you trust me, you know that I wouldn't recommend stuff to you that's just not top in, I mean, top quality. This is the event that I recommend to anyone that wants to learn about social media and even blogging, content creation, and all that good stuff. You're going to absolutely love it. So we're going to link to that in the show notes for this episode. Mike, man, thank you so much for coming on here and just providing so much value, man. I appreciate you. My pleasure, Leslie. Awesome. Hey, guys. Oh, man. Lots of great content in this episode. I hope you got a lot of value from it. I keep saying I hope, but you know, I, I know you got a lot of value from it. And hey, if you want to check out the show notes for this, you know where to go. Becomeablogger.com slash 285. Everything we spoke about is going to be summarized there for your reading pleasure. And all the links will be also in that post. Hey, another call to action. If you want to take your blogging business to the next level, you want to be coached by me, I want to invite you to check something out. It's called the Become a Blogger Coaching Club. I'm going to coach you for free for the next 30 days. Yeah, free. It's crazy. Head on over to bloggercoaching.com. That's bloggercoaching.com. And when you register there, you're going to get access to my courses on building a blogging business. You're going to be able to get on live group coaching calls. Uh, you're going to get access to our private Facebook group live webinars and a, and a whole lot more. Once again, that's become a bloggercoaching.com. <laughs> Head on over there and let's get this party started. Looking forward to working with you. 
Ah, that's pretty much it for this episode. This is Leslie Samuel here from becomeablogger.com where you know what we're doing. We're changing the world one blog at a time. And until next time, take care and God bless.